Oh, let me take these headphones off. So I've just had a fascinating hour-long conversation with Paul Spinak. Um, you're going to really love the conversation that we've had. It's all about creativity. It's a topic that's super close to my heart because I have made an entire career out of being creative and kind of just dicking around, really, you know, scribbling things on pieces of paper for a living and getting paid for it. And this whole episode, I get to talk to Paul about how he approaches creativity, what he thinks creativity really is. And he's got some great anecdotes in there about a table that he's made 25 years ago and how people still come into his house and touch it now because they're just drawn to it creatively. So if you're into creativity, if you feel like you're lacking in creativity, or you just want to be inspired to be more creative, or you just want to understand the process a bit more, this is definitely the episode for you. Cue the music. Boom. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I, I, I feel like there's a lot less pressure on me now because normally I go live with these like I was explaining to you before. And uh-huh. right now when I'm having this conversation, I'm usually looking on Twitter, looking on YouTube, looking at the comments, just like looking at eight things at the same time, trying to make sure. I didn't sure realize you were doing that when you do that live. I don't know how you do that, but I guess uh, through repetition and, uh, you know, the first couple of them must have been messy, though. Oh, man. Well, the the first few of them, I just did it. You can go live on Zoom. A lot of people don't know this. So you can, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you can just, as long as you pay for the right level of account, you can just go live on Zoom. So it did it all for me. There, there was nothing for me to worry about. And then <laughs> I, I started getting a little bit fancier with the setup, and then it, yeah, then it gets complicated. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so happy to have you. This is kind of a weird way that it came up. This you just emailed me. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're trying to. I'm just trying to do different things, you know. And um, you know, a lot of I I don't listen to podcasts as much as I've had people tell me I should get involved with them. And uh, I'm a character. I have a lot to say on the subjects and things like that. And I was like, yeah, let's just let's let's try that. I talk all day. So that, that seems that should be a natural thing. And at first it was like, put them on. I was like, there's no way I'm putting on a podcast. Cause I realized how much work you go through to do that. Yeah. And I'd rather, I have to spend that time somewhere else, but I do appreciate, um, you know, people putting things, things together and the, you know, the time it takes for you to do this. So thanks. No, it's, it's all right. You can just hijack my podcast. That's, that's the way this works. Awesome. <laughs> so you say you talk, <laughs> you say you talk all day, right? Well, what do you, what do you mean by that? What's your what's average, that? what's your, you say you talk all day. What's your average I, day I, look like? I, I, it's either, I do, you know, there's a lot of phone calls, but that has transpired to a lot of zooming. That has been a huge change obviously since COVID. Yeah. Um, but I also am responsible for really the main deliverables of the agency. You know, when we're doing brand uh, rebranding, which we do a lot when we're doing website development, core message, whatever the big deliverables are, I'm usually the one presenting it. So I'm talking a lot and I'm, you know, and what's interesting about presenting, but also more importantly with Zoom is, you know, you really got to bring a lot of energy 
Um, yeah. cause you know, the, the medium will just take 20% of the energy out. You don't realize it. And you kind of have to overcompensate a little bit to, to just remain something there, especially when delivering a presentation of, we did it the other day. It was the first time I achieved the pause through zoom on a brand presentation. <laughs> and my staff was giggling because I think that was, it was such a monumental thing because usually people are very quiet and, um, they just don't interact the same way. And I can't read the room as much. So uh, anyway, I spent a lot of time talking uh, during my day. And um, when I have a moment of quiet, um, I relish it. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I've, I've done a few presentations as well now over Zoom. Presenting design work is really bloody tough over, over Zoom, I found. Because like you said, it is a wall of usually silence. And I've done yep. it. There, there was one that sticks in my mind that I did a month or two ago and there was about 12 faces in front of me and uh-huh. just you know just digital faces on the screen and i had to stand they didn't, they didn't want to react no one wants to say anything first no it happens well it's, it's polite to mute you mute yourself isn't it so yeah. even if you you know you might usually i don't know tell a bit of a joke or say something and you're looking at them for some kind of response but you don't get it and it, it's it's like doing what I imagine like doing stand-up is to a really dead room. Uh, I, I, it's gotta be similar. Maybe they should have, maybe zoom should have like a, like a one to 10, like little bar that you can kind of, you know, I'm engaged because even when people are on mute sometimes, uh, you know, they're, they're and then sometimes you can force them to talk. They're like, Oh, that's great. We thought that was great. But somehow during zoom, they are, they're more shy, I guess, with the camera on them. You know, when the camera's on, it tends to make people a little bit different. Um, no different than being in a band and the microphones are on recording. The second that record buttons hit, it's very difficult to lay down the same track yeah. uh, when you know someone's, someone's listening. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny you mention you've kind of got to amp yourself up a little bit as well because I, I find you've, you've, you've got to do that on, on all sorts of stuff. It was one of the first things I learned when you were podcasting. You, I, my voice is naturally quite, well, it's deep for a start and it's quite monotone. So I had to train myself to go up and down and make it more interesting a little bit, change the cadence and things like that because you just you just sound boring otherwise. And you you when you get that sensory medium removed, looking at somebody and also being in the room at the same time, it's a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah, and you know I I think it bothers me a little bit because I think the art of communication, like, you know, with your voice, um, you know, especially with some of the younger people, they want to, they want to text and they want to email. Um, and sometimes I'll ask a staff member, you know, did you call? Yeah, but I couldn't get a hold of them. Like, did you call them? You know, and the answer is often, no, no, no. I emailed and I tell like, pick up the phone, get on the phone because you know, the art of communication through voice is, is just so powerful. And, um, you know, that, that's presentations, that's phone calls, that's guiding, you know, employees. Um, and I find, you know, I know you're into the whole creative process. To me, one of the, the most elaborate and uh, finessing conversations I have is a creative one. As a creative director, if I'm, you know, walking a company through a process that they don't really, they're not familiar with, that's some serious, important communication going on. You know, um, showing respect while also educating at the same time and, you know, so um, I think that the talking is uh, not only a lot of it, but it's heavy stuff sometimes. I, I actually think it's getting a bit of a resurgence as well, because one of podcasts, 
So like like you said, you've been told <laughs> to go on some podcasts and maybe do a podcast. <laughs> and the the other one as well is, I don't know if you've dabbled with it yet or not, but have you tried Clubhouse or Twitter Spaces? No, no. Yeah, so Cl- you know what Clubhouse is though, right? I'm not familiar. No, I, I have to say, please educate me and, right. and probably just embarrass myself, but go ahead. <laughs> so, so Clubhouse is like a new social network, right? And, okay. And it's just audio only. Okay. So it's audio only and it's only on iphone right now so it is audio only only on iphone and you join a chat room basically and the chat room is live it's not recorded and the conversation happens in that moment and nowhere else ever again Uh, someone described it to me as fomo at scale basically you know fear of missing out at scale because the the conversation happens there and then never again okay So, so that's clubhouse and clubhouse is becoming fairly popular i'd say with a certain type of early adopter you know a lot of people on twitter are transferring over to to clubhouse but twitter spaces has also launched which is a direct it's basically a copy of um of clubhouse it does exactly the same thing it's an audio only chat room medium so they there seems to be a bit of a resurgence of of using your voice, basically, because I think everybody over this last year with coronavirus, that we've all been locked up a little bit, going a bit stir crazy. That I think people are now starting to, to react to wanting to hear voices again. So yeah. I, I I'm starting to think that this is more important than it even maybe was a year ago. Training your voice and learning how to speak and things like that. What, what other changes have you experienced like over the last year, like in terms of your day to day? You know, obviously communications is a huge one. Yeah. Well, over the last year, the majority, there's only five of us in our agency, but we've all, we, the majority of year, the year we've been out of the office. So we've been separate. We've been remote. Mm-hmm. That changes the way that we've all been working. So we, we've, been working weird hours some of us we we finally fully went in on um basically flexi time but being well basically you have to work a certain amount of hours a week but you can do them whenever you want uh we were always a bit reticent to that before but we finally went fully in on it so i think the biggest thing that's changed for us as a business over the last year is we've finally fully gone asynchronous there's no there's no need for any of us to, to be there at any particular time a lot of the phone calls have stopped to the to the office which is fantastic because they're always just spam calls anyway um mm-hmm. now i just get them on my mobile phone mm-hmm. um yeah i think that's changed quite a lot and then i i have pretty much zero requests for in-person meetings with with anybody anymore it's uh it's dramatic and I, I think that shift's going to stick pretty good. You know, it's funny. I, um, for the, you know, I've been doing this 23 years as of last Friday and, um, the last few years, I just, I, I really need five or 10 more hours in my week. I just, I just, I can't find it. And, um, you know, we're, we're over the last year before COVID, we were starting to explore how to get that. I hired sort of a, uh, an assistant. Um, we were just about to start exploring that. And then COVID hit. And there was five or six weeks where it got really quiet for the first time ever. Right. So it was the, it was the first time I slowed down in like 20 something years, just slow down. But then it got very busy and it, and it never stopped. 
But as it got busier, I just started to, you know, I was, I was working home for more as everybody was. And the first nine years that the business started, that's all I did was work from, I mastered like working from home, like, you know, 20 years ago. And then I started working from an office and I got back in touch with how efficient I am when I work by myself. And so what's interesting is those five to 10 hours, <laughs> I found them uh, during COVID. It was because I was driving all over town. I was chasing my ass, you know, trying to, I, I, I put a lot of value into the face-to-face meetings. We do a lot of business locally or here in North Carolina, but we do have a lot of clients that are out of state, but I feel like I would, you know, in retrospect, we're going, it's going out of my way to do face-to-face meetings when I probably could have done a lot more, you know, especially on the sales front, a lot more qualifying um, through Zoom. And so those five to 10 hours happened and I, I didn't realize they happened until I was experiencing it. And I was like, why am I so, I'm still busy and we're still putting the numbers on the board, but I'm, I'm a little bit more relaxed. What is that? And I was like, cause you're home. Cause you're not running all over town. You know, just that whole thing is just stressful. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I found exactly, exactly the same thing. And I, I was a bit worried about that at first as well, because I do prefer an in-person meeting. I think that the connection can't be argued that it's stronger in person, but mm-hmm. I don't feel like I've lost touch with any of my clients of, over the last year. Everybody has got used to it now. And yeah. I remember eight months ago, people were saying, uh, is it going to be Zoom or Teams or do you want to do it in person or things like that? There was always that weird thing at the beginning when you was arranging a meeting. Now it's just send me a Zoom link or you know, I'll send you a it Teams is. link. Not only that, but I think most initial calls, a lot of like my prospecting calls, you know, a year and a half ago, and we were thankfully in my company, we were doing quite a bit of video conferencing before that, but not like, you know, like you said, like full in after COVID. But I think that um, um, it was very common for a prospect to be a call or in person. And now it's like 95% Zoom and it's actually better than a call, right? Which it, it would normally be. And I think that that's why it still works better than that. And when, you know, if, 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 if it needs to be a face-to-face, there's still that option to do that. But um, anyway, it's, it's, I'm not going back to, to, to running around. There's no way I, I, I've, I've just gotten so much more done and I, I proved it in the numbers, right? We had a really strong quarter and it was cause I was home doing what I needed to do. So it's not like it's, it's not hurting the business at all. Yeah. I, I, I found exactly the same. I, I actually prefer working from home now and I'm still going into the office a little bit, usually on a morning then coming home, but it's just the convenience of working from home. You know, you, you get up, you start work. I yeah. can, lift weights at dinner time it takes me a minute to go from work to lifting weights and i only work a mile away from where i live but at dinner time that drive is about 15 minutes Uh, and you're sat in the traffic for 15 minutes and then you get home and you can't be bothered to do what you want to do also mindset changes you know it's not just flipping a switch when you get there you know so it's it's there's a lot more time wrapped up in it than, than most people would sit there and do the math for but it adds up you know in a week for sure yeah. Anyway, I, I don't want to talk too much about the business stuff because it's it's a bit boring for most people. Um, the thing I really want to talk about is, so you are creative director. You run, do you call it a marketing agency or do you call it a... Yeah, we're a creative marketing agency, yeah. Yeah. So you, you run an agency, I run an agency. We're both creative directors. And I, before this episode, I looked looked on your website and 
browsed the internet and stalked you a little bit like I do with everybody. Mm. And I was looking for a theme. I'm always looking for some kind of thing to put through the episode, some kind of driving thing. And I looked at your personal website and noticed that you seem quite similar to me. You, you're an artist, a musician, creative director, designer, you know, marketer. You, you, for want of a better word, a polymath. You, you mess mess with lots of different things, just like me. So I called the episode "How to Make a Living Being Creative" because you, you are you, you've clearly, and I think it mentions it on your website somewhere. Um, creativity is part of your DNA or something like that. I think you put on your website. Yeah. I mean, I think I've always, you know, becoming, it's interesting. I became an artist as the last piece of that puzzle. Um, You know, as a creative director, I have, you know, and owning an agency, I was, and I'm not a graphic designer. I've always had designers work with me. Right. Mm. And um, I've always been around, not always, but in my adult uh, life, I've always been around creative people. So, you know, the marketing and what happened is, you know, after you put your 10,000 hours into anything, right, you start getting some particular skills. So I was doing music, I was doing marketing, but, you know, doing those for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden things start to sort of synthesize. And um, there became a point where I wanted my own canvas. And right. So that that's what led me to be my own artist. But to answer the question, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back around. I think not all of those things really produce revenue to make a living doing it. Right. Mm. I realized that I have to be creative. Not all of those things are going to earn me dollars, but I have to do that full circle of creativity to have the energy to do the one that makes the revenue. Right. So I make a little bit of money on my art, but I don't, that is not a, you know, my passion is to make the piece, uh, you know, and however long, however deep that hole goes, I will go to the end of the earth to finish that piece. Can't do that at work. Right. There's other constraints, there's budgets. Um, but that's a, that's a creative sandbox to play in. Right. Um, it's, it's art with a purpose as, as, as I like to refer to, to work, but I realized that they feed each other. And one of them may only pay the bills, but I can tell you that when I'm in my shop doing art and, you know, melting metal and playing with wood and, and doing all those things that I do down there, I get the energy and the creative, what I call it slingshotting. I take the energy that I get from that and I can throw it into work. And then sometimes when at work, it makes me motivated to play my drums. And sometimes when I'm playing my drums, I want to walk out and go back to the shop. And I realized that, uh, they feed on each other and what you, what I never want to do. And I did do this during COVID because I, I've never had the opportunity to just stop everything Mm. and take a breath. And, uh, and it reminded me that creativity is like this, uh, you know, it's very inertia based. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got, I had, I had built up that juggernaut of creative energy and I let it stop during COVID just to take a break from everything for a couple minutes. And then when I had to start it back up, um, it was, it was difficult, you know, it, and, um, the art piece I'm working on right now, I started a year ago, like next week, like right after COVID, I was like, okay, this is a good time to start my next big piece. It'll carry me through COVID. Give me, give you something to do. 
Um, but it was tough going. I really had to like push myself down there where three months earlier, you couldn't stop me from getting, from doing anything. I was like on fire creatively. So, you know, it's a, it's a living breathing thing that you have to feed, but not all of it's going to make you money, you know? Um, and some people can, I, I I was never able to do that. You know, I never made money in the band (laughs) or, or musician wise. Um, and I've made a couple bucks with my art, uh, maybe a little bit more, a decade from now, but uh, you know the marketing stuff was the only thing that was able to 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 generate some a living out of it. It's interesting what you say about creativity like that because I think about this a lot. Because one thing I've always had for nearly every year, whilst I've been a a designer previous before I even had an agency, was was some kind of side project that I did for fun, which was never going to make me money. And there's been years where I've stopped that where I've thought like you, oh, maybe it's a year for a break. I'm busy. I'm busy with work, work. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I need to just come home and, and just do nothing. And yeah. those years, every single damn time, I've felt worse. I've been creatively stifled. I Giving myself more time to relax and reset yeah. doesn't make me more creative. Yeah. That's what I've found anyway. Is that what you found when you did it earlier this Absolutely. year? Absolutely. I mean, I did it because I never had the opportunity. My business has never stopped. The marrow ground has never stopped. So I kind of, you know, I was like, okay, let me, let me step off and check it first. So for a couple of weeks, I was like relaxed. And I was like, I can't do anything about this. But I didn't realize it was going to affect my motivation uh, creativity, you know, creatively. And so once I realized, whoa, 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 I can't, <laughs> I can't let the marrow ground stop. It slowed down plenty. I need to get back on it and move back up. And I'll, I'll never let it stop again. It was, it was like proof. But, you know, if you run your own thing and you're, and you're busy all the time, you know, you're, you're working 10, 12 hour days. That's normal. You know, it, it, things are always spinning pretty quickly. Um, and so I know that if I don't get the creativity in there, like really good creativity, I just get edgy and I just, I'm not thinking right. And so it, you know, the, the return is not as good for my energy, how I feel. Um, so, you know, I realize it is part of, that getting back to what you said, that's why DNA or whatever it's, it's, I have to do it. Mm. I have to do it. I feel better when I'm doing it. I feel worse when I don't, it's pretty simple. Right. And then when you get older, you're like, Hey, I'm going to start doing the things that make me feel good and stop doing the things that make me feel bad. And so creativity was the highest thing on that list. In fact, there's almost nothing that comes close to it. Yeah, I I feel the same way. I do a lot of different sporadic things that, on the outside, look like they don't connect. So I I run an agency. I'm a designer. I make mm-hmm. brands, logos, and things like that. I make images on Twitter on a few different accounts. I tweet mm-hmm. a lot. I write a lot. I make short videos on on Twitter and YouTube. I do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, probably other things I've forgotten as well. Um, or I run a visual community as well. And and on the outside, it looks like lots of things that are sporadic and people are like, Craig, why are you doing all this stuff? But they all connect. They're all ideas. I'm sat here now discussing ideas with you, which mm-hmm. will, at the end of this conversation, I'll feel fired up to do something else, you know, something else. That's, slingshot. That's what I call the slingshot. You know, yeah. you take that, and you just you throw it into the next thing and it's, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and and then I'll I'll take that thing and then whatever that thing is there I make, I'll slingshot to another thing. 
and and then yeah. you're just kind of on this like endless journey of being full of energy all of your life with, yeah. by by not needing to artificially produce it do you, do you know what i mean and it's it's literally free in a way it's like it, it's 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 a very i can't really describe it. like if i go in I, I long time ago uh when i was going to a shop i was starting to be very regular about my art and putting the time in i started to realize that if i go down the shop for you know no matter how i go down to the shop when i come out i feel the same way Right. It, 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 it's, it's like an eraser of some kind. So if I'm anxious or angry or no matter what it is, I come out this particular balanced sort of state of, of, of mind. And so, um, you know, again, like life is crazy. So if you have the tools to, to do that, so I don't, you know, what I love is I don't have to leave my house to find a mechanism to feel that way. I don't have to go on Amazon and, you know, sometimes I do, but, you know, to just you know spend money or do these other things that are going to make me feel fantastic when I I'm sort of in control. The one thing that, you know, makes me feel the best and that's just being creative. Yeah. I, I talk about it a lot as being, we all need this, this one thing, this one creative thing, no, no matter whether we're creative as a, as a job, you know, we might be an accountant or, you know, a bank teller or whatever, but, we all need this thing, a creative thing that we can just do for ourselves that we don't have to give away to anybody else that isn't for money. And and when you've got that thing and you discover it, it just makes you feel amazing. And that that's the whole purpose of it, right? It isn't to make money or anything. It's just to feel good and creative because we're all creative. I, I, you just made my hair stand up because that's, 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 I mean, I, I live for that. I mean, I'm, I'm 180 hours into my, my next piece. And um, you'll appreciate this. I, I realized the other day that in order to hang this piece, I wasn't gonna be able to get to it. It's heavy, it's big, it's, it's very prickly, it's metal. It's already cut me like five times. And I, I, was, I was gonna need to build a crane in my house to be able to lift this thing up, right? So I came to that conclusion. I was like, okay, stop, pause. Let's go get the materials. We'll build a crane this weekend. And, and I did that. Um, and then I, uh, I've been building it on a table for 10 months, you know, looking down at something that is going to be on a wall. Yeah. And so I'll, I'm not in the right perspective. Right. And so even after a year of doing it, 180 hours in last weekend was the first time I had built the crane and I had erected it, the piece in a vertical motion. And the second it was up, I was like, Oh, that's, that piece is wrong. There's, there was one element that was just wrong. And I knew instantaneously that was like going to add another 35 to 40 hours to make it right. But there was no question. I was in denial for a half a second, knew it was wrong, had that feeling in my belly. And then I was like, but that's what's required. And to have that passion to not, you know, that I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing in the next week and a half. I'm going to get that right. And we'll be right back where we go, but I'll feel good about it. It's, it wasn't like a, uh, a problem as much as it was, you know, something that I need to stay focused on. And so along the way, it was gonna make me feel good. And, you know, I don't know, it's just fantastic to have that ability to do that, uh, you know, in my house too. So I'm, I'm very grateful. I, I'm, are you familiar with George Lois? Do you know who oh. he is? Yeah, why does that name sound familiar? He's a, he was an advertising legend. Yeah. Yeah, you, you'll have seen seen some of his stuff. He did loads of Esquire covers. He was a designer. Yeah. 
a designer, an ad guy. He had multiple ad agencies. He kind of started the creative advertising revolution. Previous to him, adverts were all long copy and things like that, and he started using bright graphics and, you know, simplistic things and really cool ideas. Um, He's a a hero of mine. It it epitomises everything I think about creativity. And he's got a... He's got quite a few books, but he's got uh, a, a really short book, and the, the the name of it slipped my mind now. Um, I'll, I'll dig it out and try and find yeah, it. Yeah, send me it. Um, and each chapter is just a, a really short, you know, quip really about what he thinks or the way he sees stuff, and 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 he talks about the big idea in it, and he, he, he talks about working a lot and things like this, but. Really, what he's talking about in it, it, when he's talking about the big idea, is that whenever he's working on any kind of project, he's always hunting for the big idea, and it's the thing that w- gets him up on a morning, and it's the thing that keeps him going late into the night, and it's the thing that gets him back up to go to work the next day. And he, he spent fifty or sixty years like this in in his career, looking for the next big idea, always hunting for the next creative project and i i really love his philosophy because he's always been tenacious all the way through his career looking for the for the next creative thing and i'm sure it's feeds back into what we were just talking about like just you know it's the journey right it's not it's not you, you don't want to finish in a way yeah uh and it just just made me think about it that what the kind of thing you said like you you need to do this i have you always been like this was there a previous career that you not a previous career. I, I, again, I think I was always like, I had built the, the desk I'm working at right now. I built 20 years ago, but when I built it, I built it cause I needed a desk. Right. Yeah. And I spent a couple minutes thinking about, Hey, how would I sit at this desk? What do I want to do with this desk? And I gave it some thought. Well, here I am 20 years and I'm still sitting at this desk and some people come in and be like, that's a nice desk. Right. So when I built it, it was sort of out of function. And then I did that over some time. And then, um, again, all that time I was in music and I was working and through osmosis, I was sort of learning creativity. I was learning design through all my designers. I was, I had a great creative director. I absorbed everything she did. So I was around creativity. And after 10 years of all that, I started to absorb it to the point where it needed to come out in my own voice. And that's where I started doing art. And I went through a divorce and part of how I channeled my energy was I decided to go down. So I needed a kitchen table because during divorce, I think I lost my kitchen table or something like that. So I need a kitchen table and I didn't feel like buying one. So I decided I was going to build a kitchen table, like a high right. And so that's how I took all my energy of being angry and pissed off. And I went downstairs and I just started whittling at wood. And, and uh, this is before I even welded and I built my kitchen table. And then when I, when I finished, I was like, you know what, not only is that cool, not only do I feel better, but it was the first time someone came in and every time someone would come in my house, they would, the first thing they would do is walk in and they would put their hand on the table. They could not, not touch the wood. It was like delicious looking. Right. And I realized at that moment that I was not making a table, you know, it was art. And the reason why it, people want to touch it was because I put so much into it 
there was all that pain and anguish and it comes out, right? And it touches people. And so that, that's when I realized, okay, maybe I'm not just making things. Maybe what I do actually can, you know, people can feel what I'm making. And that's when I started to sort of take inventory. And then once I got that, then it was the doors were open and, uh, uh, you know, it was all art as much as I possibly could do. So I guess it's, I've often thought about this, what, what that make, what that feeling is. And I think it's what that thing is that you connect to in that kind of instance, why people connect to that table that you built. But if it would have been an Ikea table, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have give a shit. What, what, yeah. what is it? What's that thing? Oh, I have an answer for that, actually, at least for, for my stuff. And, and I, I was, I can't speak for anybody else's stuff, but for my stuff, like, you know, and not unlike at work, at work, I, I, I will hunt down a pixel at work as a creative director. In my art, it's imperfectly perfect. You know, it is absolutely handmade. The instant you see it, it looks like it was made by hand. And, you know, I do that specifically so that, you know, I, things are measured, but, and what needs to be precise from the engineering point of view is right on, on the money. But when I can look like it can be worn or, you know, uh, it's just not perfect and not perfect is what is human. And the second it becomes perfect, it looks machined or uh, robot made. But, I, you know, I, I'd like to keep the human element of, of my pieces in there. I think that's what connects with people. Mm. I, I did, I did a, just before coronavirus hit, I did a, I was working on a design talk and I only got to deliver it once in person. And the, the talk was called How to Keep Your Green Onions. And <laughs> whenever I do design talks at conferences and things like that, they're usually esoteric like like this, like just bizarre. And the Green Onions I'm referring to is the classic R&B funk track, Green Onions. Um, you might not recognize it by the name, but if you've heard it, well, you definitely have heard it. And it's that song you hear in a second and you just instantly recognize it. And it's cool and it's just timeless. Uh, and, and the whole point of the talk is, is this idea of soul in work and how, how do you recognize it and what puts what puts soul in something and why i thought because it was specifically about web and things like that why i thought it was disappearing and why i thought that was a sad thing because soul and the human element in in whatever it is you're producing from a website to a to a logo to a table or anything soul that putting a bit of you into the thing that's the thing that people connect to and absolutely and it doesn't doesn't matter what the medium is. In in the in the talk, I give examples of like the two Ronnies, a British sketch uh, comedy duo, and Monty Python and Banksy and things like that. And what what really connects all of those is that they they kind of they put a bit of themselves into it, their worldview and their way of seeing things. The things that they made couldn't have been made by anybody else. Basically, you look at Banksy, you instantly recognize it's Banksy's work. You listen or watch Monty Python, it, it can't be anybody else. It's Monty Python. I, I think, yeah, there, there's just a bit of them in it. And I think maybe that's what it what it is, ju just like what you said. Well, I think there's, you know, we can circle back around to the beginning of this conversation about communication, right? And it, it's just another way to connect, another way to communicate. And, um, you know, I, I've seen people look at uh, my art and, you know, have no reaction, you know, 
And I've seen people like literally like they just can't get enough of it. And I find that fascinating, you know, and that, you know, some pieces may literally like resonate differently with other people. And it, you know, that doesn't insult me at all. It actually fascinates me that, um, you know, you can touch some people and some people, you don't, and, and some people may not, you know, just sort of get that kind of frequency, whatever, whatever is it, whatever it is that you're, you're putting out there. Um, but when it does connect, it's, it's, it's super powerful because people can't understand you can communicate so strongly without words sometimes. And that visuals are, you know, I, I'm a visual person. I'm, I'm uh, you know, words uh, are challenging for me. Um, so I think my, that part of my brain developed a lot more into how to communicate visually. And um, so thankfully I do something in my work where I, you know, that's a skill I can, I can use. Well, I think visually, you know, visuals have been around for thousands, if not millions yeah. of years longer than words. So I think that there's just, there's an innate, uh, like instinctual connection yep. to a visual, isn't it? Our eyes are more developed than our ears. And uh, yep. in terms of recognizing words, I always think about it when you look at, even if you look at a, a, a story or a poem or even just a sentence from a hundred years ago, you it's, it's tough to read, isn't it? it? It's kind of arcane language and you, you might not understand some of the words uh, kind of all the words are there, but it, for some reason it takes you like four seconds longer to understand everything because of the structure of the sentence. But you can look at a, a visual, for example, the first ever recorded visual is a hand on a wall in a cave. Yeah. You, that's a hand. You know it's a hand. The hand's not changed. Excellent point. It's a really good point. Uh, and I, I, th- I think that's probably why people connect to it a little bit deeper because yeah. it's on some instinctual level, it's quicker, isn't it? It's, well, it's not even being processed by the brain almost. It's just going straight to the soul, <laughs> or at least for some people, other people might not get it. Well, I think, you know, and the people who don't get it, you know, it's just aren't really, some people just don't connect on that kind of, you know, deep level that, that you know, I don't want to use the word spiritual level or, you know, it's just, that human connectivity that, that, you know, and creativity, you know, is, is if not the thing that defines us as humans, if you want to get real deep on it. Right. Yeah. I think uh, so. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, for some people it's, it's, uh, confusing. You know, I, we do, I do brand re- rebrands all the time and I'm in rooms with people who, you know, admit, you know, I know you're taking us through this rebrand, but we're not creative people. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's okay. We're going to, we're going to walk. I mean, you, you know, you know the game, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it doesn't mean they're not going to have opinions. And all of a sudden someone who wasn't an artist is commenting on something and, you know, it doesn't mean that they're wrong because even though you might not have an artistic bone in your body, doesn't mean, doesn't mean that when I show you something that it's not going to make you feel something. And I can't say that that's wrong, right? That's why it's, it's sort of subjective. But I, I find that whole thing very uh, fascinating, uh, how some people can see things and some people can't. I always find it interesting how some people are always so quick, usually in that instant, they're always so quick to say, oh, I'm not creative. They throw their hands up like a, a, it's a, it's a get-out clause almost or it's almost like a blocker they're putting in front of themselves because I honestly believe everybody's creative. Uh, Those, those people who say they're not creative, they usually, I don't know when they're on the phone, they're doodling a notebook or something like that, or 
And creativity is, you know, they can be a creative thinker. It doesn't have to be like this physical manifestation or something. It could just be a cerebral thing. You know, um, I think creativity is uh, just problem solving, you know, and and medium could be many things. Yeah, I I often think why, why some of us end up being quote unquote creative and why some of us end up kind of suppressing it. I I think people lean into it. I think it is suppressing. That's a good word. I think there's been studies with the kids and you know, how, you know, all kids are creative Yeah, <laughs> and, and um, so the ones that end up maintaining are the ones that never shut it down. And, and, and I have heard that before where the ones that aren't, are, it's more suppression than, than anything else. I don't know. It's maybe it's, you know, it's deemed like too playful and, you know, uh, not serious. I don't, it's not, yeah, it's not serious enough, you know? Um, but I've been in rooms where just, you know, people are fascinated by it. You know, those who aren't creative and, and put their hands up in the air like that, what you want them to be is like welcoming also to those who are right. And, um, and not really resist and be ready to like, listen, if you're not, you know, let's talk about, and I, I always say that too. I was like, don't tell me you're not creative. I had a guy tell me that. And I was like, okay, but I, I, when I walked in here, I saw this particular car and I have a feeling that that car was yours. And he said, that car was mine. And I was like, well, don't tell me you don't have an artistic bone in your body because you wouldn't have bought that model. And he looked at me and he's like, okay, I hear what you're saying. He, Cause he was saying he doesn't, he doesn't uh, buy into those things, those emotional things. And I, and I use his car as an example. <laughs> it's like, you're not going to go spend $140,000 on that car unless you get emotionally tied into what it can do and the performance and what it sounds like and the way the leather smells. And I was like, you're in it. You can, you can play all denial all you want, but you're affected by things around you visually and um, emotionally. And, uh, you know, creativity is just one of those things that plays with those as tools. I always it always brings me back to a thought experiment. I can't remember who said it, but it's about our obsession with materialistic things. So you know, mm-hmm. buying certain brands or wearing certain clothes or things like that. And the thought experiment goes like this: So if you were the last person on the world, you know, the last person on the planet right now, what would you wear and what would you drive? Yeah. Um, and people you usually say you know i'd still be wearing the same clothes or or, or whatever but the the whole point of, of this thought experiment is to realize that you wouldn't you'd just be you'd literally just wake up grab whatever clothes you probably you might not even wear pants i mean that you're literally the last person you're not impressing anybody uh, and the thought experiments really to kind of bring out the idea that the majority of the visual decisions that we're making even if we claim we're not doing it, is to impress somebody, uh, mm. to make an imp- or at least imp- to make an impression. Maybe not to impress somebody, but the idea that you're not even trying to impress somebody is in and of itself an impression. So, yeah. if you were the only person left, you wouldn't even be making those visual decisions, would you? You just no, you'd be a slob. <laughs> right you'd be i think I, I would have a pair of jeans on and probably no shirt no shoes that's that's probably that's what i'm most uh most comfortable so that I, I finally found this book so the the book is damn good advice uh by george lois it's a super quick read um it, it's just like life lessons and, and things like that that he's, he's done in his career but it's it's a fascinating read because those people like George Lois, Paul Rand, legendary, you know, David Ogilvy, all these like legendary creatives, 
that weren't really defined, uh, even though now in in the now when you look back in the past, they're defined as being an ad man or a designer or whatever. They weren't defined like that when they were around and, and practicing it as designers or admin or whatever. There isn't anybody like that anymore. I, I don't. I don't think it's. There's. There's no kind of rock star designers or rock star admin or rock star marketers. Closest I can think of is Seth Godin or something like that. But there's. Yeah, I guess you. You're. You seem to be well read and and you're like in that because you like the. You seem to be into the academic side of things too. So that's interesting that you're you're saying that. Do you do you use social media? Like social media is one of the. And I don't know. I don't. I'm not a huge participator, but I do love the creativity. It's one of the few things about social media that I enjoy is people share creativity and you know whatever their medium is. Um, do you uh, do you spend a lot of time kind of just you know trying to get creativity or looking at creativity from uh, social media? I don't really get. I don't try and get creativity from social media. I enjoy being part of it because Twitter is my choice, drug of choice, I guess. Uh, Twitter is the one that I really like and I enjoy the community aspect of it and I enjoy that I feel like I'm connecting with people. and Back to the conversation that you like having the conversations with people. Uh, And it's really cool to see what everybody's doing as well. I mean, the, the biggest thing that I'm seeing around on Twitter at the minute is, have you heard of NFTs? Oh, non-fungible tokens. So you've heard of Bitcoin, right? Uh-huh. So non-fungible tokens are, uh, they're they put, they're basically a, a piece of media, a digital file. So that could be a video, an audio file, an image or whatever it is. They're put on the blockchain. So the blockchain is where Bitcoin sits. Mm-hmm. And they, you can make them one of a kind or you, you can make them multiple versions of them or whatever. But the idea behind an NFT really is a digital collector's item. So it's usually a one-off digital thing that's made. And then people bid on this and people buy it. Um, the, the reason I mention this is because the idea of making a living being creative. And this is exploding at the minute and it's nuts because people are selling uh jpegs and things like that i've got a friend a designer friend he sold um a jpeg uh, literally a jpeg for uh-huh. $147,000 uh, what uh, yes <laughs> of what what it was a, of a piece of art of a of a photograph of what 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 exactly it, it was it was a comment on NFTs, so that it was a really simple visual. On the left hand side, it said NFT. On the right hand side, it said JPEG or Ping or something like that. It was a kind of a joke on NFTs, <laughs> like hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something. He's, it, there's some background to that. So he's Jack Butcher. He's got one hundred thousand followers on Twitter. He's got the visualized okay, value. So he's, he's got some brand equity, if you will. Yeah, he's, he's got some brand equity, but. The the bigger and more interesting thing about it is a, a new, different, and weird way of making a living being a creative because he he's built up all this equity from making visuals on, on Twitter and Instagram and things. And now he's kind of cashing in on his, his brand equity by making these one-off visuals because Bitcoin's exploded 
or in my limited understanding of it, I, I know that Bitcoin's exploded and it continues to explode. And the whole market of investing in, in uh, altcoins or alternative currency or whatever you want to say, the whole market's exploding. So there's all these people, um, usually quite young people, who've made an absolute fortune on the rising trend of Bitcoin and they've got nothing to spend it on. Um, so they're, they're putting the money back into one-off digital collector's items and even even the nba got in on this recently with the uh short shot thing that they launched i think it was called short shot and they're basically uh five second clips uh of, of dunks uh you know of, of goals in 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 the nba sold as an nft sold as a one-off nft item so they're making most of them looking at it, glancing at it, most of them are going for a couple of thousand dollars each. So they're, they're, they're making a load of money on this as well. I don't have to look into that. That, that sounds fascinating to me. I was, I'm not aware at all. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's, it's completely fascinating because it, this whole thing is moving so quickly now. Um, the way that people are making money online, the way that people are selling the creativity, uh, it, it isn't nowhere near like it even was five years ago or e even 10 years ago when we started the agency uh you've been around a lot longer than i have there was there was none of this kind of thing even 10 years ago it was even much harder to just sell your creative work well you, you know it's really interesting um my business partner and i had a couple major conversations years ago and um he was a partner for a couple of years like outside of the business, like a CFO. And then he started working on the inside, but we were having conversations where one of the reasons why I say we're a creative marketing agency is because um, I always want creativity to be at the heart of what we're doing. And, you know, the things we're doing now didn't exist when we opened the agency. Right. But yeah. it, as long as people have eyes and they need to interact with a brand, there's going to be visuals involved. I don't know what they are, you know, it's websites, it's banner ads, it's social media posts, it's uh, NFTs, right? Is that what it was? <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, I think that as long as you're at the heart of the creating process, the tactics, the vehicles, the platforms, they change. Um, but, you know, there should always be something to do, at least, at least I'm up, I'm up for another 10 years. Anyway. Uh, That's what's so exciting about it, right? That you, if, if you are capable of making images, if you are an image maker, or even if you're just a creative person, you don't even have to be an image maker. There is, now there's just so many ways to make, make money from it. It isn't just you've got to launch an agency also, but that's absolutely a possibility and it's easier than ever, but there's so many other ways that you can make money. I, I know I, I religiously follow, watch a, a guy on YouTube every Sunday. He just, he, he's a, he's a musician. Marcus Rebellier is called and uh, Mark Rebellier, not Marcus. And he, he uses a loop machine uh, and a keyboard and he mm. makes music on the spot on a live stream on a Sunday. Awesome, that's fantastic. Like like Reggie Watts type type thing, um, and he, he just does that every Sunday, and he's got over a million followers on YouTube, and he, he's basically made made his life being creative in under his own terms. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's just amazing, isn't it? It's, I I, yeah. of, I often. Uh, 
when I go to schools or colleges or whatever, try to make them understand that you don't have to do what I did. You don't have to start an agency. You don't have to be a designer. There's so many other ways you can No, use I think you need to just be committed to a craft, you know, uh, or crafts, but, but to just, you know, get good at what you do and let that shine through the most, you know, because there's always people who want, you know, good creative, no matter what their medium is. I think there's always going to be a need and a want, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how, uh, from a gra- graphic designer point of view, you know, how much like AI and things like that will affect design over the next, you know, f- like 10 years, I think graphic design is going to have trouble with AI. I, 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 I can see uh, very clearly the crossroads. Um, you know, if you, if you pull a PowerPoint right now and you try to make a PowerPoint slide, this little AI thing is trying to lay it out for you. Some of those times, some of those, you're like, that's not so bad. Good, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I can see a point where you fill out a work order and, you know, and the work order has got all the content and the information and the tone and, and, you know, press a button and here's 25 ways that that could go. Um, you know, and, but that human element that we talked about, I, I, I want to say that that's still going to be a, um, you know, a desired thing and maybe, you know, what, why it brings so much value to those one-off pieces of digital, right? If, you know, the pieces I make, um, you know, it was a choice I made. I got into being an artist very, very late. Um, I, I only, you know, I've only, I've only come to terms with it for about seven years now where I'm like, I'm an artist. That's what I do. And um, I have no interest in making volume because I don't get the same satisfaction, right? So when I make a piece, I'm going to commit to it as long as it takes is, uh, you know, a couple hundred hours, two, three, you know, and, um, but that's, that's, that's really where that, the love, right. And that's what people get into and that there is nowhere that, that these pieces exist anywhere else. You know, it's a one one of a kind thing. And I do think that that will always have value, even though a lot of things will be sort of um, gobbled up um, through technology. There, there, I'm hoping that there's going to be a bigger uh, need for those things that are still human and handmade. Um, mm, I, I think, I think about it a lot and I, I don't, I don't look at it in a negative way because I, I know that me as a designer and as a creative, I'm going to be able to use those tools as well that's going to speed up my processes. And I I do think, to some extent, it will lower the value of pure design. That's already happened. It's already happened. I I know I've I've got friends who've been designers for like, 50 years and and they can remember using letter set and they can remember doing it all on you know stick up paper and things like that and it's fascinating to talk to them about that kind of thing but as as that process gets shorter as it gets easier and easier and easier to make a a competent design i think all it does is eat into the the kind of low level design maybe maybe the low to to mid-level design yeah um but if you can position yourself as, and the way I always position myself, it, it's the idea. It's always the idea. It's not about the execution. The execution, anybody can do the execution. Um, it, you, you're paying me for my ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can only get that from an experienced creative. 
It's, mm -hmm. it, you can hire any designer you want, but they want a lot of designers now, particularly younger designers. And this is why I think we don't see Paul Rands and George Lewis's, uh, Lewis's and things anymore is because people focus too much on the tools and being too good at the tools, being mm -hmm. a, an excellent technician, but not an excellent thinker. Yeah. Um, and I, I think if you can, you've already done it. Uh, I, I already do it. I think if you can focus on the ideas, the idea of being creative, I don't think you'll ever be out of work. Well, it's funny, funny you mention AI actually, because I was uh, just today, I, I was listening to the radio and there's a new album that's been released. Um, it, it's, it's, it's to raise awareness of mental health. And the mm. album is, is called tales from the 27 club or something and the 27 club if you're not familiar is is like famous musicians that have died when they were 27 so kurt, kurt cobain jimmy hendrix jim morrison and things like that yeah jim morrison yeah yeah th those kind of people uh and, and what they've done is to raise awareness of of, of mental health in, in music and and suicide and things like that a particular group i've forgotten the name of them they've made a, an, an ai album so the, the album has been made, the music has been really? made by AI. And wow. the lyrics have been written by AI. Uh, the, the lyrics are sung by a covers artist or, or, or someone else. So they sound like the person, but the, the, the lyrics are not, uh, you know, they, they're not from AI. They're actually recorded by a human. But the, right, mu right, right. the music is AI. The album is on Spotify right now, um, and I was listening to the Nirvana track earlier. It's pretty convincing. It's pretty bloody convincing. It, it, really? It's it's pleasant to listen to. So the the minute is a, there's a Dawes track, there's a Jimi Hendrix track, there's an Amy Winehouse track, and a Nirvana track. But to to your point about you know will AI, will AI take over design? They sound good. But they, there's something there's something missing. It's it's rub it's robotic. It, it's formulated. It's perfect. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. As a drummer, I had this conversation with my girlfriend. I was trying to explain some things, and I was trying to explain analog and digital, right? And and what does that sound like, kind of thing? And um, you know, and I think that that's part of it is that that resolution, that fidelity, um, that the imperfection that I mentioned before. You know, humans, I mean, as a drummer, I'm, I'm pretty good on my tempo, but I'm not a metronome. Yeah. Um, and the second you force it, and most tracks right now, the drummer plays and click a couple buttons and it'll move the notes to exactly where they're supposed to be. And that could very quickly dehumanize that feeling of the beat being a second before or a, or you know, a second, but a, you know, a, a fraction after or below or below the, or before the beat. Um, and that's where the human aspect is. And if you clean all that up, you know, it becomes sterilized. And, and so I, I'm hoping, but then again, you know, software gets better and better <laughs> and they can probably start dialing that in at some point. Um, but uh, again, I, I think you're right. You made a good point that they become tools and those who are creative will always be the ones who master the tools better than, you know, than anybody else. But if it also gets, other people involved in being expressive, then, you know, that's not so bad either. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I always think about the thing, you know, it might, it might take me right now, 
two or three minutes to draw a circle and a, and a line and a square and things like that. If I had the AI tools to just say, I don't know, hey, you know, I'm not going to say, hey, hey, Siri or Alexa, because I've got both of those in here and they'll go off. But basically say, hey, hey, Craig, draw a, draw a square, circle and, and rectangle uh, in a big, in a big 40 by 40 millimeter square. That speeds up the process insanely for me. And and one of the, the things that I always like to think about with efficiencies like that is that it, it it removes all the boring bits of being creative. You get the you get the amazing idea, then there's the execution after that, which yeah. is boring. So if yeah. if you get the AI tools and the things that can get you like 90% of the way there to visualize the idea without you needing to sit down for a couple of hours to achieve it. Yeah. That, that that's on another level then that that's, uh, that's, cool. a, that's a tool. I mean, that, that's, that's clearly, you know, using leveraging something as a tool and, you know, I mean, just like any tool, a physical tool, it helps you achieve that goal faster so that, you know, I, I you can't do anything but applaud that. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm. But, you know, I, I think the whole idea of just being creative itself is something to, um, there's just no negativity to exploring it on the simplest level. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's endless depths of how deep it can go, but I think it benefits everybody. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great place to end it. We've been talking for a, an hour. <laughs> that's, that's uh, flown by. Uh, I think one thing I'd leave, leave it on is that you never, you never meet an unhappy creative person. You. somebody who spends their entire life doing it you they're all like me and you they're all full of energy they, they all love life and i think that's something to think about yeah have you got any final things you want to say any final things you want to i think I, I, I dropped the mic a couple minutes ago and that was that was it i think that was it but no i really enjoyed it and it's a fascinating subject and um you know i think uh i think we all can uh it all resonates with everybody so, um, but this time has been great. I appreciate you having me on and um, you know, I hope that we uh, continue the conversation. Love it. Let's do it again sometime. Cheers, Paul. Cheers. <laughs>